0: Well, could you take the Word of God with me, and we'll turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I do want you to know, graduates, that it is a great honor to get to preach for your graduation celebration. I hope you know how much uh, Ms. Andrea and I love you both, and Ledoux, and um, how much we want to see God just pour out His blessings uh, on your life. Uh, Judith, it hasn't been very long, but we are so grateful that God brought you to our church and our youth group. Uh, your sweet spirit, uh, your kindness to all the other teens, your enthusiasm for teen choir, your willingness uh, for the fundraising dinner to jump in and help in any way, organizing ticket sales, uh, making the, the the beautiful posters. Uh, you've just been a wonderful addition to the youth group, and We're sad that we only had you for such a short time, but uh, God has gifted you. Uh, I believe he's gifted you academically, uh, artistically, in so many different ways. And he's put you in this church for a reason. And uh, just so excited to see what he continues to do in your life. And know this, there's no limit uh, to what God can do in your life if you yield yourself to him and, and surrender to his plan for your life. Maria, uh, you mentioned in your speech you moved here in, was it grade five or six? uh, Right before entering the youth group in grade seven. And from the very beginning, uh, your presence, uh, like your mom said, uh, in the family, in the youth group as well, has just brought so much energy uh, and joy. And the way you put your heart and soul into everything you do, uh, especially at camp, with the uh, games and at youth conferences and in teen class, many occasions i have i have loved hearing maria screaming or yelling uh cheering on her team or telling someone to get in line so they can win the game and that competitive spirit that you apologize for uh to be honest that's going to be one of the things we miss the most Uh, that fire that god has put in you that will to win and that's a gift that not everyone has and if you pour that same energy and zeal and passion to do your best, if you pour that into serving the Lord, uh, there's no telling how He's going to use your life. And so, going to be greatly missed uh, in the youth group. You better not go anywhere. The college and career group needs you. Uh, and, and same with you, Judith. Um, but just so thankful for your presence in the youth group. Ledoux is not here, but I still want to talk about him. Uh, what a blessing he has been. Uh, Pastor mentioned his faithfulness. Uh, I think if we kept statistics over the last couple of years, or I don't know how long, Ledoux has to have the best attendance record. I can't remember the man getting sick. I mean, he's always here. I was talking to Brother Marshall. Think about it. All the people, including myself, have been sick and missed church, but Ledoux is just this constant. And so it's ironic that he's not here this evening, but his faithfulness has been such a blessing. Uh, we're all aware of his gifted mind, or most of us are, He's got the map of the Lower Mainland in his brain, and uh, I believe God's going to use Ladue mightily. He's gifted. Um, His attentiveness to the preaching of God's Word, you see him nodding, you see him saying amen, Uh, it's just been such a great blessing. And his love for singing, uh, he sings with all of his heart. And so, uh, Miss Susanna, uh, you can be very proud of your son, what an addition he's been to our church. And this evening, it's an exciting night for, for our graduates. Uh, really, you're, you're entering adulthood. I think you've both had your high school graduations, right? So this is kind of one of the last hurrahs. And at this critical juncture in your lives, one of the things you're probably most excited about uh, is this word, freedom. Freedom. Uh, up until now, your life has been mainly dictated by other people. Your parents moved to BC. So you had to move to BC, Judith. Uh, When your parents moved, Maria, you were right there with them. Uh, You vacationed where your parents vacationed. Uh, You've been sent to certain schools by them. And for over a decade, you've been bound to a certain schedule that requires you to be in school uh, over nine months every year. And until recently, you didn't even have a lot of choice over what classes you had, okay? And so now, as you're entering adulthood, you're thinking, I'm free! I can finally make uh, some of my own decisions. I can finally dictate my own schedule. And it is an exciting aspect of entering adulthood, this this prospect of some freedom. And like Pastor Ravert spoke about this morning, it's a necessary part of life. Uh, The bird has to leave the nest at some point and flap its wings and and, and learn uh, to make it on their own. And for parents, this can be very gut-wrenching and uh, cause tears, and it's very difficult. But then often for the child, they're thinking, yes, freedom, finally! And uh, you both have wonderful parents, and I'm sure, and I pray that you'll stay close and uh, you're not totally out from underneath their influence, but there's this aspect of freedom that you're excited about. However, as we look into God's Word tonight, believe our Heavenly Father has a message for you that might come as a bit of a surprise even though you're entering into adulthood and you're excited about becoming an independent adult the truth is that no matter our age or our status in life or how independent or established we might appear for all of our days we're still going to be serving someone. Every single one of us is still under the control of something outside of us. Only the Creator is completely independent. Only He has total control. And we're going to see from our text this evening that there are really only two options for every human being as to who... And what will control our lives? So if you'll look with me here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible reads in verse 23, "...but foolish and unlearned questions avoid..." and, and Paul is speaking to Timothy, "...knowing that th- they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves..." if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, that because you sent him down to us to die for our sins and rise from the grave, we can be certain that we have eternal life, and we can be part of, of what's called the church. And Lord, I thank you for the love that we share, and Lord, I thank you that these two graduates of ours are, are so loved because of Christ. And they, they are part of a body of believers, a, the family of God that will love them forever. And Lord, we pray that they would know that in their hearts, that they would leave here tonight with a certainty within that they are loved. And Lord, we thank You for how Your Word, as has been mentioned already this evening, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It shows us who we are. It shows us who You are. It shows us how we can have the best possible life. And Lord God, tonight as we look at this passage, I do pray that You would help my feeble tongue, help my mind, Help me to speak clearly as I declare your truth. Lord, you know how I've wrestled with this text, and and Lord, I, I need your help. And Lord, I pray that you would work in the hearts of Maria and Judith and all of us here, that we would understand how much you love us and how you have a good plan for us. And Lord, if we've been believing lies, if we've been living under the authority and control of someone else, Lord, I pray that You would give us repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that tonight we would recover ourselves out of the snare of the devil if we have been taken captive by His will. O Lord God, we pray that You would do Your perfect work in our midst. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you see the two options in our text? the two groups of people. You and I are either living daily as the servant of the Lord or as captives of the devil. Those are the only two options. A servant, this word means literally a slave. And we understand that as believers, We have been bought with a price. We are Jesus Christ's possession. We've been made His servants. And how were you, Maria, and how were you, Judith, bought by Christ? You were bought with His precious blood. If you ever begin to doubt that your God loves you, look at the cross that God loved you so much that it was worth being separated from His Son, it was worth pouring out His wrath on His Son so that you could become His child. Don't ever get over how much God loves you and how He purchased you out of bondage to sin with His own Son's blood. But then later in the passage, so there's this, we're either being a servant of the Lord or... A captive of the devil, and this word taken captive, it literally means to take alive. To make someone a prisoner of war. And no Christian is immune to falling into the snare of the devil and becoming his captive. Because in Paul's letter to Timothy earlier, when he's giving requirements for a bishop, for a pastor... He gives him some warnings and he says, lest he fall into temptation and the snare of the devil. So none of us, just because we've been made God's children, just because we're believers, none of us is immune to falling for the devil's traps and becoming his captive. And so as you're entering into adult life, Judith and Maria, I want you to be aware that your God loves you and He's purchased you and He's made you the servant of His Son and you get to choose to enjoy being the servant of the Lord. But if you're not careful in this world that is pumping the devil's lies, in this world that wants nothing to do with Christ, if we are not vigilant and we are not laboring every day to stay close to Christ, we will become the captive of the devil. Now, my prayer for you, both, all of our prayer for you, is that you were determined tonight that I am going to serve the Lord with my life. You, you heard it preached this morning. There's nothing better you could do with your life than to serve the Lord. And you could go around the room and you could interview those who have given their life to the Lord and you could ask them, Maria you could ask mrs. Odom have you ever regretted serving the Lord with your life and I know what she'll say you could ask those who wandered from the Lord for a period of time and became captive to the devil and you can ask them about the devastation that that wrought in their lives the heartache and pain that they are still dealing with and you can ask them Do you regret giving in to the devil's lies, and I know what they'd tell you? You have your whole lives in front of you. The choice is yours. You get to choose. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to follow his will for my life. I'm going to let him pour out his blessings on me. Or you can follow the way of this world and become captive to the devil. In this passage, we see what it looks like to be a servant of the Lord. And this is what we are encouraging you to strive toward. And the language of the text, this is how it reads, the servant of the Lord must not, and then we get some qualifications here. Now, this is like any job. You get hired on with most employers, and they're going to give you some kind of employee handbook or there's going to be some kind of onboarding process where you are told what is going to be expected of you. You're, you're given a uniform, perhaps. You're given a schedule. You're told how to clock in. I think of McDonald's, and every time I go there, they're, they're advertising, we, we need more people for our crew. How many of you have seen those advertising? Be part of the McDonald's crew. And the signs, it looks like they're having fun, and sometimes I'm thinking, how going to be fun to work at McDonald's? But I've driven by there, and, and sometimes they're laughing in there. Sometimes it seems like they're having fun, so there's something to that. And they're, they're trying to get people to be part of the, the McDonald's crew. But in order be, to be part of that crew, y- you, have to, you have to go along with the requirements. I mean, how long would someone last on the McDonald's crew if they showed up and said, I don't want to wear a McDonald's uniform. I worked for Burger King and their uniform's more comfortable. That's what I'm wearing to work. The Big Mac makes no sense why there's bread in the middle. There's more bread on that thing than meat. So I'm gonna get rid of the bread in the middle and I'm actually gonna put the quarter pound patty that's in the advertisement, I'm gonna put that in the Big Mac. How long would someone like that last on a McDonald's crew? They wouldn't because every job has requirements it has rules, it has uh, guidelines, it has a handbook, and if you want to be part of this crew, this is what it entails. And with the Lord Jesus, it's no different. The servant of the Lord here must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, have to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. We don't really have to get into the details tonight for sake of time. But what we have here is a a picture of Christ, of His humility. And so, Judith, Maria, if you're going to serve the Lord with your life, this is what it's going to look like. And far too many Christians in our world they do not follow the the handbook that is given to them in God's Word and you know what they effectively say I'm going to serve God my own way I know what maybe the pastor has said I know what maybe parents have said but I'm gonna try things my own way and just like you wouldn't last on a McDonald's crew with that kind of attitude you're not going to live as a servant of the Lord unless you embrace his handbook. This picture of Christ, it's it's beautiful. Gentle unto all men. Gentle means to be mild or kind. The only other occurrence of this word in Scripture is in 1 Thessalonians 2, where the Apostle Paul uses this word to describe a nursing mother. That is a type of kindness... That God wants to form in you, and I'm thankful for both of you. In all your time in the youth group, all I've seen is kindness from you toward the other students. Now, I haven't seen everything that you've done or said, but there's this kindness, and God wants to use that. God wants to use you to point people to Christ with that kindness. Then it says, apt to teach. This means you're able to teach others. We just witnessed with the way you gave those speeches, and I think. Maybe one of you wrote it just this afternoon. You both have a gift to communicate. That's a gift. And God wants to use you to teach others the Word of God. And yes, this passage was given to a pastor, but Hebrews 5.12 makes it clear that all Christians, God expects to be teachers of the Word of God, pointing other people to Christ. And you both have a gift of communicating. And God wants to use that. The, The picture here of of what a servant of the Lord looks like, it also says patience. This word means enduring of ill, forbearing. Someone does you wrong, but you just keep on loving them. That's not easy, but like Jesus said in Luke 6, if we only love those who do good to us, we're no better than sinners. Because sinners are kind for the most part to people who are good to them. And so, this growing in Christ-likeness is being able to be forbearing and patient with those who hurt you. And up to this point in your life, you have been hurt. But instead of that making you bitter, God wants to use it to make you better. For you to draw closer to Christ and, and realize how patient He's been with you when you've wronged Him. And then to turn around and give that patience to other people. Also, we see here this picture of Christ involves meekness meekness is a humility a teachable spirit where you you come to the preaching of God's Word or you you come to authorities with an open heart ready to listen and have what they say and ready to obey Do you realize the Lord Jesus didn't start his public ministry till he was 30 years old and and he meekly went to the synagogue as the son of God who knew the scriptures better than anyone and sat under the teaching of flawed teachers and let it help him? When we see the description here of the servant of the Lord, is talking primarily of, of preachers or spiritual leaders. And definitely, none of us is perfect. None of us has attained to this in every respect. You can think of some teen classes where Pastor Tyler uh, wasn't exactly patient or gentle. And... Uh, Maybe I, I, I lectured kind of harshly and it wasn't necessarily a Christ-like spirit. So we're all, we're all working toward this. None of us has arrived. But, but this is what God wants for you and this is how He wants to use you. It's what a servant of the Lord looks like. And there's no limit to what He can do with your life. But the alternative, look in our text. So there's a servant of the Lord that looks like Christ and reproduces servants of the Lord but then there's these people verse 25 that oppose themselves and you know what the job of a preacher or a parent who teaches you the Word of God Maria you you know what their job is and we don't always do it perfectly we're not always like the picture here but our job is to preach the truth and to let you know when you're opposing yourself and to help you get back on track. And it's what my parents did for me. And and there was a lot of instruction when I was opposing myself that had to bring about some repentance because I was going the wrong direction. And so the, the job of the church of preachers is to preach the truth to those that oppose themselves. This includes lost people. Everyone who has not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ is opposing themselves. Their unbelief and their rejection of Christ they are against themselves and sending themselves to hell. They oppose themselves. And so a preacher of the gospel or a soul winner gives them instruction to help deliver them from that. But also, this involves preaching the truth to Christians who are disobeying God and opposing themselves. And what you need to understand, Christian, is that the devil is intent on taking you captive by his will, to do his will, to do what he wants. But then God comes along and it says, if God peradventure will give them repentance, the acknowledging of the truth. So you know what God does? He uses the preaching of his word. He works in your heart by his Holy Spirit. And you know what he does? He gives you an opportunity to change your mind and to acknowledge the truth and to get on God's path so the, the devil is intent on taking you captive with his lies on on destroying your life on withholding from you the blessings that God wants to give you but God gives you the opportunity to repent God gives you the opportunity to get in line with his truth God gives you the opportunity to follow Christ God gives you the opportunity to be blessed and he works in your heart and even now maybe he's he's working in any one of our hearts trying to get us back to the truth but notice what it says in verse 26 and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil God gives you his truth he gives you the opportunity to repent and get on his path but you have to make the choice to recover yourself This word, recover themselves, it literally means to become sober again. So it's like someone's been drunk and delirious and they can't make sense of reality, so they say and do all kinds of crazy things because their view of reality is distorted. But then when they come to themselves and when they're sober again, they can see clearly. When you're taken captive by the devil and when you have believed his lies, you can't see clearly. And that's why people make such foolish decisions because they can't see. But when God gives you the opportunity to repent and get in line with His truth and follow the Lord Jesus again and you choose to repent, you choose to recover yourself, to come to your senses and to see clearly again. And it's your choice. So I'm urging you graduates, wherever you are in this, God knows your heart. Would you surrender to be the servant of the Lord? There are only two options. You're, o- you're either going to serve the Lord or become captive of the devil, and there's no in-between. There- there's no wearing a Burger King uniform at McDonald's. There's no messing with the Big Mac. You either follow the Lord Jesus and let Him transform you, or you willfully blind yourself with the devil's lies and become his captive. And I'm urging you tonight to surrender your heart to the Lord and let him use you and let him bless you. There is more potential in this front row with these two graduates than we can fathom. There are more people that God wants you to bring to Christ, Maria and Judith, than can fit in this room. You can have an exponential impact on eternity, and it's your choice. So I'm compelling you, I'm urging you, will you let God use you? And I'm asking you, whose servant will you be? You're going to leave here tonight with a choice in your heart I'm going to be the servant of the Lord Jesus, or I'm going to remain a captive. And it's a decision that all of us as Christians make every day. When the Lord reveals sin in our lives, it's an opportunity. Am I going to repent and be freed from this sin and become more like Christ or am I going to remain a captive? Every day of our lives. And I pray that we will choose to be servants of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And we pray, Lord, that You would just work on all of us wherever we're at with this, that we would just be surrendered to You And let you use us. And Lord, however you've spoken to us tonight, I pray that we'd respond. And we would determine when we leave this building to be the servants of the Lord. And if you're calling us to repent, if you're calling us to get right with authority, if you're calling us to obey some command that we've been resisting, oh God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work now and help us to choose to obey you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays with heads bowed and eyes closed, if God has spoken to your heart, would you respond?